When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2023. I'm Jeff O'Neill here with Rebecca Shinsky coming to you from bookriot.com. I didn't put in the agenda because I wanted to surprise you a little bit, <laughs> but a new reading device came into my life. Oh, and do tell. Over the last 12 days since we've last talked, do you want to guess how many books I've read in the last 12 days? Oh, I have to guess how many books before I know what kind of device it is? That's it is. I can't give you enough to make a good guess. It has to be embarrassing for you. It's Otherwise, ten it's books. fun. 10 books in 12 days. 16 books. Holy crap, Jeff O'Neill. Well, what is it, it includes a time a, turner? Includes a, couple of, it includes a couple of audio books. So, okay. you know, my normal reading 16 stuff. 16 books. Damn. I went on a real jag, Rebecca Shinsky. That's, that is a, that's a jag. So uh, we'll, we'll do a sponsor break here in a minute, and we'll come back and talk about it. So it's going to take up some of our front list for you today. Uh, it's a front list uh, device situation. I love a new um, device. Let's see, other things. You and I are passing the baton back and forth. I don't think how that's re- how relays, relay works work. I'm not the most outdoorsy <laughs> kid. I don't think you just pa- pass the baton back and forth. I'm not sure what that is. Is that conducting? I'm trying to think of other baton-oriented activities. Oh, anyway, I'm just thinking of it as co-piloting. Co-piloting, right, because that's how co-piloting works. You fly the plane for a week, and then I fly the plane for a week. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. We're passing the baton back and forth in the <laughs> cockpit of a plane that is sure to crash. Anyway, we are writing ourselves Book Rides Today in Books newsletter, where we do a little digest. We pick out some of the interesting stories of that day and say a little something about them. Some of so, It is a macro, it's a superset of the things we actually end up talking about on the show, because today mm-hmm. we have, what, five things, and we won't get to any of them because I have to tell you about the scads of books that I read. But over the course of a week, we're linking to 20, 25 pieces. We get to have some personality. We link to some stuff. Go check it out, the Today in Books newsletter there, also first edition. I've got a couple of tidbits that I wanted to tell you, but I thought I would use it as a tease for first edition. The next episode, which I will, I believe will come out either Friday or Monday. So by the time this episode is out, I interviewed a couple of uh, women from Red Tower, who are the publishers of a book called Fourth Wing? Has it, have you heard of it? I am familiar. Yes, which Rebecca is Heroes the is having a year. she's having a year. It is the top selling hardcover fiction book of the week yet again. And I 
thought I smelled a story there. So Molly Majumdar mm-hmm. and Stacey Abrams from Red Tower, who are behind the scenes people, editorial director, and, and Stacey Operations. She's the one that was talking about when we ran to the first print run, how I'm going to get boats from China yes, to right. come do it, and how many, their spreadges situation. They spredges. will not repeat the word spreadges. They say the full <laughs> non-contracted. They say sprayed edges or stenciled. Jeff, someone has some dignity around here. Already the taste was better than mine. A couple of things, a couple of nuggets from that one. A, so it's collaborative. So your, Rebecca Yaris, who's the author of The Fourth Wing, was writing contemporary romance. And the way Red Tower works, this is their first book, by the way, out of the gate for this new imprinted entangled. <laughs> it's a hell so, of a start. Hell of a thing. I said, you got to be careful. Don't plan on this every time. They laughed. Rebecca Yaros, to meet a deadline, I can't remember if it was for the sequel, Iron Flame, which comes out in November, or Fourth Wing here on the show, Rebecca Yaros moved in with their CEO to finish the meeting for, for, for several weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. real commitment. And another thing, you're a former bookseller, and I think you taught me, what's the word, what's the term of art for like the day? Is it street date, drop date? Day down date. So they, and I didn't know this. I know for some books that it's like totally embargoed where you can't get like the Bob Woodward book like at mm-hmm. all before. And so, like, publishers try to go buy them early, and you're not supposed to be able to do this. I thought all books were like this. They were saying for Fourth Wing, it did not have a strict laydown date. So the booksellers yes. could start selling it as soon as they got into the stores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they were starting to see some social stuff, and they were starting to see, see sales upticks and moving a bunch of units before the, the technical sale date. Love so that. it was yeah, sold that... out by week two because they'd done a bunch of sales before, and I couldn't figure yes. that out. I was like, well, this is already sold out. It's been two weeks. Well, then <laughs> yeah, people have been buying happen. it for three weeks before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes if anything that has a strict on-sale date would come into the bookstore with like a stamp on the outside uh. of the box that would be like strict on sale, do not release until September 15th. Or, I need you know, to, so if I went, will they put it date. out though? Or if I go poke around and say, hey, is the Jesmine Ward in the back, will they go pull up for me? Or would they actually no, be putting it in front? I mean, I'm sure that the new Jesmine Ward has a strict on sale date. <laughs> so, okay. It's only stuff I don't care about <laughs> but, yet. Yeah, it's like mid-list stuff. And I would mm-hmm. guess that a lot of debut stuff that they don't anticipate is going to be big. Just have, yeah. like, typically the bookstores, at least Barnes & Noble at the time, which was more than a decade ago, Tuesday was the day that we were putting out new titles. But there are books that would show up from the distributor several days early. And if they got mm. unpackaged and they weren't from a strict on sale date, box they might make their way out to the floor yeah. before that Tuesday so you could theoretically pick it up before the date that's like listed on Amazon or Edelweiss as the on sale date I don't know that Amazon like ships anything before it's listed on sale date this might be one place that the bookstores have a slight you just have to like luck into being in a store that has a mid-list book that you want right because <laughs> Amazon it's probably part of this platform right it has an on sale right. date will flip over that pre-order button to you can actually yes. buy and it'll but, get shipped to you tomorrow anything that's getting big publicity or that is going to have like juicy nuggets in it that they don't want to have Mm -hmm. leaked beforehand like the bob woodward book any big political expose anything like that or like the prince harry book that kind of stuff comes out with a strict on sale and usually has a media embargo associated with it where either nobody with in the media even gets to see a copy in advance or if you do on the rare instance get to see a copy you have to like sign your life away that you won't talk about it publicly until the on sale date or 
you won't publish a review or anything until the book is available. Mm-hmm. So anyway, check that out. That's going to be available very soon. I, this is the kind of stuff I'd like to be Looking doing more of. That. I find I learned a lot. I thought it was very fascinating. Very smart people over there. I'm also coming up on first edition probably in another week or so. So this is a real tease. I'm only excited about it because, A, we're about to record it in like a half hour after we're done with mm-hmm. this show. But you and Vanessa Diaz um, and I are going to be doing a special episode dedicated to the 25th anniversary to uh, of You've Got Mail, which is the... Well, maybe we'll talk about in the show of where it stands in the pantheon of like okay. book nerd movies, but it's mm. way up there. I it mean, is, it's yeah. it's in the conversation for the the, the end cap of movies about <laughs> that are related to books. So I'm really excited to do that. I rewatched it last night. Have a lot of thoughts and, and feelings. Me too. Uh, so check that out. But we're going to get a sponsor break and talk about some stuff that's going on in the world of books and reading. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him, unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest-paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you, do you want me to save my device experience for the end, or should we make that the meat of the show? Or do you think no, people are going to be like, if we talk about know. Drew Barrymore now, they're going to be like, God dang it, I want to hear about Jeff's new device. I want to know 
what the new device is. You can't tease something yeah. that got you to read 16 books in 12 days and then make the people wait for it. Okay, hour. so the backstory here is a couple, there's a couple of things. Like, like any remarkable achievement, it's really the confluence of several wins, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? The first wind was my darling Michelle had COVID, and so she was quarantining upstairs. So we weren't watching TV at night. I was okay. in the basement, so I had some more time. I had, it wasn't, I had some more time. I have made a concerted effort to do less internet. That's not work related. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on my phone Love looking that. at stuff that I don't want to be looking yeah. at, except that it's there, right? I don't want to be eating the Pringles of mm-hmm. my digital time. Just eat it because it's there. And I am prone to this in all walks of life because I'm interested in things yep. and like to eat things. And then the third thing that happened is my Kindle Oasis stopped taking a charge, which I've been reading That'll before. That'll do it the last four years, I think. So, and I prefer when I'm e-reading to read on a Kindle, even though I have a phone and I have an iPad, but I, I don't use, I don't like to read on them. So I was like, you know what? I've been meaning to check out a Kindle scribe. Okay. Should I look at it? How much is it? And I had a deal, and I don't know if you ever get these deals through your credit card, like use one membership point and you get 30% off a purchase at Amazon. Oh, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, and I had one of those. So I looked at the the scribe and it was like a few hundred bucks, but I could get 30% off if I use one Amex point or something like that. I'm like, I don't have much restraint and that's (laughs) all the slippage I needed. So I bought myself a Kindle scribe. You do love a new device. I do love a new device. And it's been almost a full season since I had something else to play with. Since I, we bought a projector that we set up in the great room for mm. big movies. Anyway, that's, enough, that's neither here nor there. So I got a Kindle Scribe. And I've wanted a bigger e-reader for a long time. You and I have talked about this. I couldn't justify replacing my Oasis. And like my refrigerator, which I love to hate, I was waiting for my Kindle <laughs> Oasis to die. But damn, Kindles can last a long time. So I didn't think this was happening anytime soon. And I've never had a Kindle stop taking a charge. Okay. I think the last one I had, my paperweight that I had before, it just stopped. I got the like red or like the, the X through the battery. It's like, I don't mm. know what happened. It just failed. So I got <laughs> a Kindle scribe. And How big I is it? To, I don't know. People can Google that. But to me, in my hand, it feels like the size of the reading surface is about the size of a hardback page. So it's, it's like oh, trade paper. Okay. So it's okay. a good size. And I'm a larger person. I've got a big hand. I could read this one-handed. I don't think most people can, frankly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the new device. I don't know if it's I'm sitting in the basement looking for stuff to read. I frankly don't know if sometimes you get on a jag and I read a bunch of stuff yes. in a row that I was really into. But I don't think I've ever read this much for pleasure in a row ever. Maybe when I was in grad school pre- preparing to my orals, but even then I wasn't getting through the number of titles. But I, re- I was reading that's not a whole fun. book in a day and then starting another one. Like, that's of course, wild. that's what you have to do. And I really enjoy Like, it feels great. My Oasis, I always felt like I was turning the page. I, it's just mm. like it wasn't long enough to get on there. And then if I'm reading, my eyes are not getting as great. If I'm kicking the font size up, then I really feel like I'm, I don't know what I'm looking at, like flashcards or something like this. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, maybe the bloom will come off the roses as want of roses to do. But I think it's my favorite digital reading experience, bar none. It feels to me categorically different somehow. 
I think it's magical when you have like the Goldilocks moment with a device like that. And that's that's what it sounds like you're having here. I have the same thing with my iPad mini. Like the Mm. screen is the right size for me. I can read in a bunch of different apps on it. And it's about the size. The screens are about the size of a trade paperback. Um, And I have I'm a much smaller person. I have much smaller hands, but I can comfortably hold it with one hand or like prop it up. It's Mm -hmm. not heavy. And it does make a difference. It's enjoyable to read on it. So I can spend more time reading on it and I'm less likely to wander over to my phone or to whatever else is happening around me. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And I can read outside because Kindles are good. Mm -hmm. E-ink is good for reading outside. The weather's been really pleasant here. So I've been carrying it around and I haven't, I got the, there's a pen that comes with it. I think I sprung for the premium pen for like 12 bucks more. I haven't even taken out of the box. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do okay. with the pen. Right. I don't care. I, that wasn't, it was really like, it is the size of a book that I'm used to reading. Mm-hmm. And there was something about it. And I can't read like this forever. Some of the other things are going to happen. Like I'm going to get in a slump. I'll hit a roadblock where I already, there's one that I started yesterday and I'm just not as excited to pick it up. And then I'm, Michelle's no longer coveting and I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So this was a weird time, but I've never had a reading jag like this at all yeah, I, that, that, that I can remember. That's um, a real, that is a real jag. I can't wait to hear more about what you've been reading. Yeah, I've been so, on the opposite side oh, of it. Yeah. I, yeah, I left on the third for a trip and I had read some, like I'd read half of a book before I left. I had it on my iPad, but then it was a red eye flight over. I slept the whole time and it was Mm. a busy week and I read nothing and then I slept on the flights coming back. So when we got home, like on the 11th, I read the last half of the book that I had started a week prior. So I've been in one of my slowest reading periods over the last 12 days. Between the two of us, us, we average eight titles. Yeah, yeah, you're bringing our average up and I appreciate Mm. that. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that's going on too, speaking of confluence, is the flood of titles has (gasps) Yeah, this is a a rough time to like go on vacation and have a slow reading period. I'm deep in our Zadie Smith homework for next week's bonus mm. episode, and the new Lauren Groff is just like staring at me from my coffee table. I pre-ordered the Lauren Groff like a good little munchkin, and my reward mm-hmm. is it's not coming until tomorrow. So congratulations oh. to me. Oh, that's the worst. My pre-order showed up on the correct day. Yeah, I'm may, maybe for authors that's going to help more. I should have thought about this. Like Groff don't need my pre-orders let me just go walk down to Powell's and enjoy the moment and yeah, pick it up and that go is a do nice the whole moment. thing yeah maybe for a debut author or is, is Groff mid-list I feel some slippage here what do we call this kind of writer I mean temperamentally if she mid-list didn't sell a bunch of copies she'd be mid-list <laughs> I mean I guess I that's the distinction know. I think Matrix moved her up into like but she's not commercial fiction she enters that very rarefied zone where you're a literary author that moves up units. Upmarket literary. I don't think yeah. it's upmarket. It's more. It's more art than that. I mean, that's the mm. difference. Upmarket yeah, tends to be more. I mean, it's not as challenging as Matrix it's, is. It's just not. And the right, fraud is challenging in, too. Speaking that's of, that's true. Yeah, it's I think not, that's not upmarket. Zadie Smith. That book is not upmarket. I will fight. No, people Zadie Smith is definitely not upmarket. It's not the Lauren Groff. Or at least Matrix and how I expect that. Fates and Furies to feel. maybe yeah, was a little Fates more. Fates and upmarket. Furies was like the the edge of that, I think. But yeah. you're right; like it's more. She, she's just solidly lit fic. Literary, she just moves fic. units. Yeah, yeah she's literary, right. just popular literary. I, I don't feel think like we have my a, understanding of midlist versus middle brow versus literary is worse than it was five years ago. Mm. I feel like I should be better at this, but maybe 
I don't know. It's I've, hard. I've crossed through the slippery. barrier of like really having a good sense of the topography there. I don't know. Well, anyway, I think it's it also matter. one of those things where like the closer you look and the harder you stare at all of these yeah, categories, the more right. clear it becomes that most of them are meaningless. Yeah, so. like I took a couple of editables and just started saying midlist for a half hour and it's lost all <laughs> right. meaning. Midlist. Midlist. Middle brow. Midlist middle yeah, brow. yeah, I think Zadie and Lauren are both in the high brow. If you have to assign a brow, <laughs> they're <laughs> on the higher side of the brow, but they're popular as well. Certainly Lauren Groff is. I'm going to be really interested in how the new Zadie Smith sells. Speaking of highbrow, the Pulitzer Prize, well, <laughs> they can straddle. They can. They will they can. tap in upmarket from time to time. But I was so thrilled. I think my favorite piece to link to while you were gone and today in books was the news that the Pulitzer Board is amending mm-hmm. the citizenship requirement books, drama, and music. You may remember us talking about this. Yes. Javier Zamora wrote a really eloquent piece, and I think it was a part of several pieces written about this. I don't know if it was coordinated or some people were like, I'm not sure, but that's the piece we talked about. That's the first mm-hmm. one I saw. A high-profile writer, Solito, was one of my, probably my favorite nonfiction read of last year. It's very mm-hmm. difficult, but very moving and beautiful. The audiobook recommendation is Chef's Kiss. Well, the recommendation is not Chef's Kiss. That's patting myself on the back, which I will do, but that's not what I meant to do right there. <laughs> uh, now, I do give a Chef's Kiss for that recommendation. Yes. It was good. <laughs> the current U.S. citizenship requirement to include permanent residents of the United States and those who have made the United States their home their longtime primary home. So they have to create a definition, right? Because they're ex- this is an extra legal definition. They're trying to capture people who are living and working in the United States is a long time. So I guess they're trying to get around people who are on like a residency or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the parameters are on long-term, long-term, long-time primary home is. I think that's probably something that's fluid in a case-by-case basis. Maybe, I don't know. But it is reacting to a very the rea- reality is mm-hmm. those people who should be eligible for Pulitzer weren't and I think more people of those are today than they were yes a week ago it's wonderful news and it goes into effect for the 2025 award cycle which opens next spring in 2024 so this next Pulitzer that will be awarded in the spring of 2024 will be the last one that's awarded with the tighter restrictions, Mm -hmm. which is great. And I'm sure that's because they're already deep in the evaluation stage for that prize that'll be given next year. One wrinkle I thought was interesting, and I don't think this got covered, or at least I didn't see it covered, is that already there was an exception in Mm. the history category because it allowed books on on United States history by authors of any nationality. Oh, interesting. Which is pretty interesting that's fascinating so i mean the idea here is that it's about by and about Mm -hmm. america all the way around and that includes people that were excluded before makes a ton of sense to me it does Um, i'm a a maximalist when it comes to eligibility i'm there's very few when it came to the national book award remember they were worried about including the whole commonwealth (gasps) as americans like fine fine i don't care (laughs) Right. Like the real, the reality is that most people are not going to win this thing anyway. Like your chances of winning yes. it are low today and they're low tomorrow when eligibility increases <laughs> and casting a wide and inclusive net, I think is the best for all of us. I think this does mean that the now we when the worst thing about something gets knocked off the board, something rises to take the crown. And so now the thing they need to get a handle on is the eligibility time period because we need all of these to be January first to <laughs> December thirty first. I can't handle published, this, Rebecca. They need to be published in a calendar year yes. in order to receive the award in the following calendar year. 
Because here's just, the amended criteria will go into effect beginning with the 2025 award yeah, cycle, which opens, which opens in the spring in of the 2024 spring. and closes in 2027, when? and it can be <laughs> retroactive to 1789. It Makes does make my head nuts. spin. I cannot and we've handle been, this. We've been doing this for so long, and literally every year I have to Google, like, when is the National Book Award? When is the Pulitzer? When is yeah. the Nobel? Because <laughs> they're what? all And they're all times. differently eligible. Right. And when are the Oscars? Because some of those are adaptations, and we're thinking about that, oh, too. Yeah. And it's just, no. Yeah, yeah. It's I no. mean, the Oscars is the one that gets it right. If it's January right. 1st to December mm-hmm. 31st, if it's a release, and again, it has to be released in so many theaters and blah, blah, blah. But I at least understand that. But like yes, the some of these awards, like, if you if your book comes out December 15th, you're not like, eligible to 19 months later. I don't, and crazy. Don't me. get me started about like the Emmy eligibility dates. I'm just glad we don't, don't have know. that in publishing. Yeah, I don't right, think that any right. of the book awards have such weird eligibility dates that people are choosing the publication date based on like trying to slip something in for eligibility in a certain year. <laughs> Like that amount of strategy around we want to compete against these titles instead of these other titles is just bananas. It's very straight. So that's great to see. We'll put a link in the show notes, bookriot.com slash listen. Yeah. You can see that. Good job, also, Pulitzer. Also, another round of authors suing OpenAI. I have nothing interesting to say about this, but the chorus is only adding tenors and baritones and sopranos mm-hmm. here. It's not getting any smaller. Keep that here. I think the, the book story of the week last week was it's an awards day weirdly it really is um drew barrymore has decided to bring her talk show back even though it is a wga covered show she has wga writers how pray tell are you thinking does this affect anything that jeff and rebecca would be talking about (laughs) and it's circuitous but well i guess it's one skip and a jump to turns out the presenter of the national book awards here in november was going to be one drew barrymore Mm mm-hmm I don't know why. I guess I don't know why. Drew, I mean, sure, whatever. I'd, I'd, yeah, usually they try to have a celebrity, but often it's like someone that we know is bookish in some way. And maybe she's had authors on her talk show, and maybe this is something she wants to do. Maybe she's a great reader. I have no sense of it myself. I don't. She has. Drew Barrymore hasn't had any um, mental mind share for me since The Wedding Singer. So that's been what, 20, 25 <laughs> years at this point. And as, it, as you may guess, the, people, the kind of people who care about the National Book Awards are like, that's not cool to have a strike-breaking person mm-hmm. preside over. Listen, it's not a stiff competition, but for the most glamorous nights in books, this is, the, this is it. Yep. It just is, the highest profile night in books. And none other than Colson Whitehead, who is loath to throw his hat into the ring about most sort of Twitter <laughs> Yeah, things, he does not get into it. Came off the top rope with a tweet. I think the, this is the first one that I saw highlighting. Mm. is like, wait a minute, Drew Barrymore also is hosting the National Book Awards. I don't know if Whitehead has already rented a tuxedo thinking he might be there for Crook Manifesto, but probably Julie Bearer always has hats in the ring. That's mm-hmm. his spouse. So they're a literary power couple. They pay attention to these kinds of things. And it took, what, 24 hours for the National Book Awards to say, sit down, Drew? <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So we don't have a list yet. I'm, did you read today in books? I don't know how much you looked at what I did. Did you see I, what I'm trying to say here? Did you see what my two thoughts were? Oh, I did go back and okay. I scanned just to see which things you had linked to. Uh, so I didn't double link when I picked back up today. But I did not see who your two picks are. I'm curious. My two thoughts were this. I think I'm all for let's get someone famous-ish here, yeah. but also I would prefer a little stronger tie to bookishness, at least one that mm-hmm, I can parse mm-hmm. with my human eyes who does this for a living. I don't think that's too much to ask. 
So I had two thoughts. One is, let's you know who's good at hosting things? Hosts. <laughs> and Seth Meyers has shown a real commitment he to has, having authors on that no one cares about outside of people like you and I. Mm-hmm. Like he'll have mid-list authors on there because he wants authors on there. And he likes and he's a nerd and he seems like a genuinely nice guy. He's been very supportive of the WGA strike, right? So yep. that seems like a home run. The other one, if you want to get a little more, I don't know, I don't, wild is not, but a little looser. I'm sure it'd be a different show. Leslie Jones has a memoir coming out this fall. Oh, interesting. And also an SNL product. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be amazing. I, I don't know what fun. Leslie Jones would do. I cannot say the title of her memoir because Apple would slap us <laughs> with a NSFW tag. But go, go do yourself a favor and Google. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then I was like, why not Porque No Las Dos? Meyer and Leslie Jones do a polar faith thing together. So what do you think of mm-hmm. those? I like that. I think that's mm. a fun combination. So there you go. Those thinking, are my picks. Yeah. I think that's fun. I'm surprised they haven't gone for like Jenna Bush Hager, like big celebrity book club visibility. Yeah. What Oprah, I mean, I think, I don't know if I wrote Jenna into the, the Oprah Reese thing as an obvious go-to. Yeah, maybe right. they already do that. I mean, they already do so oh, much. Maybe. What's the oper- that's true. What's the marginal value of having them do it again mm. in this situation? Don't know. Thinking about SJP, she's in the middle of whatever the name of this Sex in the City thing is, just yep, like this. Yep. We've just died. We we just got up. We just got up. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> that's definitely what it's called. I just got up. I'm so tired. Time for bed? Is it called time for bed? See you in the morning. I don't know what it's called. But the Sex in the City, uh, yeah. whatever she product that great. is. What about like Steve Martin? Great reader. Tom I thought Hanks. about Steve Martin. He has a novel out. Yeah. Steve Martin's got a couple of memoirs out. He did well, an and he's audio got a little, memoir. He's got a little Q rating with murders, Gothic. with all the murders going yeah, on. Yeah, right, right. How about That'd Marty Short, S- Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez? And Selena Gomez, right, all together. Yes. Yeah. That would be fantastic. I wonder what Selena, the last book Selena Gomez. Those, the, don't underestimate anybody, but. No. Those people are smart, man. I think I know she's, it's easy to I say Disney kids an and whatever. Reader. I think yeah. she's an interesting reader, plucked in. So anyway, the National Book Awards, that's a PR mess that you don't want to wake up Mm -mm. to as someone who thought I had this all locked down. They're probably very much in the getting the napkins folded part of that award. (laughs) The finalists are just coming out, like a translated award finalist just came out yesterday, and now you've got to do a new host. So I'm sure they'll do something responsible. It it would be anyone who wanted to cape in would get a huge boost. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who would be especially interested in doing that right now, but it would be interesting to see. Yeah. I'll be very interested. Maybe by this time next week, we'll know who's going to step in. I wondered, they didn't. They decided to move quickly and say, even though we don't have someone to fill the chair as void, which well, I thought was smart. Well, yeah, and like Carrie Washington had a memoir out this year. She would be yeah. really interesting. Barbara? Um, yeah, Brittany? or Viola Davis from last Viola year. Davis. Britney Spears hosting the National Book Awards would be like, I would be begging for a way to attend that ceremony. I think Britney... Is holding it together with two hands. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pulling for Brittany. I'm not sure she's got a hosting a literary award ceremony. I don't think she has that in reserve right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Wrong. She's busy. She's plenty busy. Yeah. yeah. Polar and Faye have both written books. Just bring one back. Maybe too small time for them. I mean, they've hosted the Oscars. This is not right. that. I mean, I don't, that's why I think you have a little know, bit like, of trouble. Like, you can't. I was thinking, like, can we get Greta Gerwig and Adam Driver to host the National Book Awards? <laughs> Are any of the Kens from the Barbie movie available? 
Simu Liu hosting the National Book Awards would be great. It's interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> anyway, let's take a sponsor break and do front list foyer. All right. I need to get out my phone book of recent <laughs> reading here. So let me take a second. What were you reading on the plane? Did you tell me? Yeah, I didn't tell you. I read How to Say Babylon by Sophia Sinclair. It's <gasps> coming out next month. And? It's effing great. The buzz is insane. It's great. It's so good. And I made it like 20 pages in before I was just like, oh man, I'm so jealous that Jeff is going to listen to this on audio. On audio. But I'm so slow on audio. Yeah. And I wanted to get to it before I got like into this whole, the loop with Zadie and Lauren and everybody for the next couple of weeks. It's really good. Like poets by memoirs, man. Mm. Or memoirs by poets. That's the way that goes. It's really good. The language is gorgeous. I think the educated comparison is relatively appropriate. Yeah. Um, her father like gets deep into Rastafarian culture, like religion mm. adjacent stuff, becomes very authoritarian. And she discovers reading and writing poetry as her way out first emotionally and then literally her way out of that house and out of Jamaica. So it's harrowing, like lots of trigger warnings for all the things, but it is very good. It's going to be great in her voice in audio. I'm glad that you're going to get to have that experience. It's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Great. What am I going to do here? I can't talk about all of them. I don't want to talk about all of them. How about biggest positive surprise? Okay. Disappointment mm-hmm. and... Mm, and I've got two. I've got two candidates for. It turns out, good things are good. Okay, let's right? do it. Let's do biggest surprise on the upside. I, I don't. Well, anyway, exceeded expectations. I don't know if this is the one, but this okay. one exceeded expectations. I don't know really why I got into it. I think Lib, when I was guesting on new books, we were doing a little after show, and I asked her what's her favorite twenty twenty three read so far, and of course she mm. reads way ahead. And I don't know if this is still true, and I could be misremembering this, so this may have made nothing to do with reality <laughs> at all. But she mentioned this title, Happiness Falls by Angie Kim, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is a mystery kind of thriller. It's set during COVID, but it's not about COVID. It's something they deal with in the over the course of the book. Um, it's an Asian-American family and they are sheltering together. They're, they've come back to the house because they're coveting. And mm-hmm. the father goes missing one day while oh. he's out on a run with the son of the family who has a condition called Angelman, which hmm. is a um, condition that has all kinds of ramifications to it. I don't want to get into it too much because I okay. don't have the specific language in front of me. And also it, it becomes part of the plot. And so it's this family looking for the dad and trying to piece together what happened when the primary witness or expert in what happened has a hard time communicating as you and I would communicate about something like this happening. And it was probably messier by about 17% than it needed to be. It could have been (laughs) tightened up. It could have been 75 Mm -hmm. to 100 pages shorter. And there's backstories and flashbacks and side notes that it's a sophomore novel and when I got into it, I didn't care because it was okay. super compelling. The characters were really interesting. The voice was really good. I had no idea how it was going to resolve itself. I didn't even know how it was going to, ha- even what the process was going to be to resolve itself at the end. It's got some interesting things about representation, about neurodivergence, which is both, I think, handled well and differently. And 
is it exploitive? I don't believe. I looked a little bit. It doesn't like people are having issues with it, like some mm-hmm. people had with the Made by Nita Prowse. I thought it was wonderful. It's on the long side, but I ripped through it. It was really good. And I think for people who like a upmarket literary mystery thriller kind of situation, this is right up the alley. I would really okay. recommend it. I don't think there's really... Outside of like, if someone goes missing, the things that could happen, those are all discussed. So if that's a trigger warning for you, you probably shouldn't be mis- reading missing persons books. But also, I guess if you find some, you do, <laughs> just to know about that. So that was a real surprise to me on the upside. I just didn't know what I was walking into there. Let's do with Jeff, you're dumb, because of course it's good. <laughs> okay. I loved Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. Yes! I loved it. Wasn't it funny? It was so fun and great and warm yeah. and just enough lemon juice at the end mm-hmm, that it wasn't mm-hmm. oversweet. Mm-hmm. It was great. I don't know it what to say. It is great. It's a good one. It's a really good one. I found myself really wanting an adaptation suddenly because there's yeah. a lot of good set piece stuff. Yes. I have a soft spot and, for Our Town. Uh-huh. I just am. I'm, I'm a basic bro, I guess. And they do fun casting with the older generation and then the younger yeah. versions of those characters. Yeah. I thought it was, I really loved it. I really got into it's it. It's one I enjoyed of my favorite myself. Ann Patchett's for sure. It was yeah. so, I th- and I just thought the voice was a little more biting than she usually is. It's sharper, funnier. It's been a while since I was Ann Patchett. I would maybe do one more notch up if I could of of edge. I'd take a little more of an edge. Sure, uh, yes. But. This to me felt like discovering that Ann Patchett had edge and I wanted more <laughs> of it once. It was like, oh, you have that in there? Okay, yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, it was, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed myself. I'm delighted. Um, so, which is good to say. I guess another one, I've been meaning to read Tana French for a million years mm. because I know mm-hmm. people love her. This is really more towards the genre reader, but I know it's in the Jane Harper mode where maybe it's an elevated, more literary style. There was a dollar ninety nine for the searcher on our own book right deals, <laughs> and I'm in the middle of a, a complete jag, and I'm looking for anything. Perfect. And it's a standalone, right? It's not part Great. of her canonical Dublin murder squad. It's a standalone set in Ireland, which is not Scotland, but it's not that different than Scotland. I was just there, Rebecca. I read it in a day, and it's big. It's like a she's, Saturday. It was she's great. A good one. I read it was the first. really good. I read the first couple in the Dublin Murder Squad, and I remember just zooming through both yeah. of those. I've lost track of her, but it's good to hear this about the This one is really good. It's the most recent one, I think, 2020. The plot is there's a retired Chicago police officer that moves to a small town in Ireland for his retirement, mm-hmm. to get it away from it all. But something happens, and he can't. It's weird. A retired mm-hmm. detective in, with a heart of gold, they really should use this more often in <laughs> mysteries and thrillers. I think there's something there. They, this yeah. Is really, yeah. It's a now, novel concept. Is it possible that Town of French didn't include one detail about Chicago? And you who spent some time in Chicago, could it have been he's from St. Louis or Houston or Kansas City? He's an American. And even that, I'm not so sure it mattered. <laughs> Does he even like get on the L? Well, we do a little bit of backstory, but we don't spend a lot of time okay. <clears throat> any in Chicago, except that probably she's seen enough law and order to know how the American <laughs> jurisprudence system works. Did I care? No. Did I notice it? Maybe. But okay. he gets involved in this small town and something happens, 
And the characterization of the secondary characters is what you're there for. Oh, that's fun. He goes to interview this person or this person. He's trying to figure out a way to investigate a missing person's case without having all the tools at his disposal, but also not knowing literally and figuratively the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. And that was great. It was wonderful. I immediately texted my brother, who really likes a page turnery mystery to unwind from work, but he doesn't want like... He doesn't want genre. He doesn't want like yeah. the hardcore stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think this one is gonna. I'm gonna be recommending this to people on moms, dads, and grads, and whatever okay. for from here. Sounds like the end a good Swiss Army option. Yeah, I think it really. I think it really is. So that and then I, and I'm on such a jag. Let me scoop up while I'm on a heater. Some stuff I probably will never read, but I want to have in my belt. If you okay. hear what I'm saying, like I want to mm-hmm. know what this book is. So I picked up the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Oh yeah, I've never got to that one. I don't get it, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell me more about it, it, that. It's not evil. It's not irresponsible. It's not anything like that. But for this to be one of the early and ongoing TikTok book talk sensations, I, I don't see it. I wouldn't have picked it out of a lineup to be something that people latched onto. And I think mm. maybe I should just know that I'm not going to be good at this, which is bodes ill for my chosen profession, maybe <laughs> in a certain way. The setup here is this is a young woman who hasn't had it very hasn't had it very easy and she's depressed spoilers i guess and trigger warnings too for self-harm mm. here so skip ahead a few minutes if that bothers you and she ends her life mm. and wakes up or her consciousness appears in this i don't know whatever world in between space okay and there's a librarian there and there's a bunch of books and each of the books on this infinite library shelf represents a possible life she could have lived if she had made a slight difference. Huh. And she's, the book then follows her picking these different things. And as soon as, like, the, the mechanism, as soon as she starts to feel disappointed in that life, it pulls her back into the library, the midnight library. Hmm. The mechanics of which, don't worry about it, because clearly it doesn't <laughs> hold together. Until so- she finds one that I, I still don't get it until she finds one like a life that she could have lived. So the and goal is to not be disappointed? To Yeah, to be one that where one she could be happy, right? Okay. Happy enough to live in it. Okay. And you can hear in my voice, I, it just didn't hold together for me. And it was about mm. suicide and not about suicide. It's about, I felt like it just, there is an element of it that felt like live, laugh, love. To me, if you hear what I'm saying, you and I have an I ongoing do. joke about live, laugh, love. There's a there is a superficial <sighs> wanting to live life out loud or wild and precious life stuff, mm-hmm. but also sanding off the edges of lived experience. I think, yeah. And there's something about this I didn't buy at all. It didn't feel that- like it was honest about the kind of depression someone actually had. And I know Matt Haig has talked about mental illness, so it's not like he's just, I don't know, piggybacking off trauma exploitation. It doesn't, and people, it resonates with people. And I don't know what the mental health community feels about this. I have no idea. But I was shocked about how anodyne and gormless Mm. it felt. So that was a surprise. And I I know, and I've always wondered, I was like, maybe I should, maybe this is like, the night circus, where it's very recommendable, and maybe it's not for everyone all the time, but it serves a... Pr- I will never recommend this. To- I can't mm. imagine who I'd recommend this to, so I don't know. That was a real it surprise. Does, it does sound consistent with 
the same kinds of reasons that we were like very baffled yeah, by about it this. ends with us taking off. Like there, there might just be a like shared flavor set for yeah. TikTok sensations. And it's definitely not our shared flavor set, which is fine. I, I mean, if people yeah, love it, that's great. Right. But as I was shocked. Yeah. It's just, those are, I, I think I'm coming to expect that a TikTok sensation is not going to be a book that's going to resonate with yeah. me in the way that it resonates for the folks that right. are touting it over there. That's really interesting. Hmm. And the last one, we got to go, we're, we're running yeah. late, but the last one also that I devoured in one day, and I've been saving it, and I, but I wanted to get it under my belt before the adaptation came out, which is coming soon, which is Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam, which was oh. tremendous. Yeah, that's a heater. <laughs> that, that, that is a tremendous. I also read that in one day. What like the the summer that it came out, where I was like, "Oh, yeah. this is the thing I'm doing today. I am just not getting off this couch." And it's that's rare, a great one. It's rare, and I it's rare that I see what like the average Goodreads or whatever star rating is, and almost feel compelled to write a review saying you all have it wrong. <laughs> because I think it has like a three point two, which is actually outside our normal like this is uh, spec. Yeah. Those people give, are wrong. I think it's the ending. People are wanting again. Read some litfic, people. This this is a litfic right. book. This is not and a yeah. This is not walking. An dead. ambiguous ending does drive people up the wall. It drives people up the wall. I thought it was tremendous. It's great. It's so good. I'm so glad you finally got there. I yeah. would not have ever guessed you were going to pick that one up. That's really great. I have well, one quick one. To yes, end. go go go. Yes, go. Um, I am listening to. I know I said that I'm notoriously mm. slow on audiobook, but I am finding every spare opportunity to like get in a, a couple of minutes. Exit interview by Christy Coulter. Ah. It's it's a memoir of spending 12 years working in corporate Amazon. She started in 2006. She was there until 2018. That is six times as long as the average Amazon employee makes it. Mm. And it is a bananas. My biggest question is, how did you get around your NDA? (laughs) Like, how could you write this book? Maybe she started before there was an NDA. Maybe, maybe. maybe they forgot to paper her because they were moving fast and breaking. Maybe things. they did. Like I've known folks that work at Amazon. This the kinds of stories that she mm. tells are pretty similar to the kinds of things that I've heard from people who have been there more recently. Uh, she uses phrases like high grade lunacy, and the thing you have to understand is that no one here knows what's going on. <laughs> that like the culture is just bananas in a lot of ways but it's also like it's sharp and it's funny it's very feminist she's a woman in amazon at a time when amazon did not employ very many women and i'm really enjoying it i heard her on kara swisher's podcast a couple days ago and was like oh i'm definitely gonna listen to this entire thing i'm just mainlining it it's great i didn't include this is now we're getting a little bleed first edition talk the kara swisher what triggered it the it book of the Nonfiction oh. book of the week last week was the Elon Musk book mm-hmm. by Isaacson for a lot of reasons. Uh, there's a lot of here are the nine takeaways, but I knew yeah. that it was the it nonfiction book of the week when I saw that Gary Steingart <laughs> was commissioned by The Guardian yes. to review it. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> I have bookmarked that for the weekend. <laughs> and go get it, sharpen your fork, put on your lobster bib, because the hot satirical butter is going to roll down your chin. <laughs> What a perfect choice. Like, kudos to that editor. Yeah. I would be happy to listen to Kara Swisher just talk about Elon Musk for 19 hours. Yeah. I'm not going to read the biography, but I'm so looking forward to that Steingart review. Yeah, the Steingart review. There's a, yeah, I think it sounds like he sunk his teeth in and then savored the, the task mm-hmm. at hand. So kudos to the commissioning editor at The Guardian. Yeah, that's a great for, job. For making that condition. Because Super Sad Loves, True Love Story came out, God, a long time ago. It was one of the early arcs that I got. Yeah. Um, 
And that book, I that might be. I wonder when the ten year anniversary. That might be an interesting reread, reconsideration. Have Stangart come on. It's like what we got right. Is it worse or better than you thought? I think it's probably <laughs> worse. It came out in 2010. So we God could damn it. slide we a little it by three 15, years. <laughs> slide a little fifteen year review in in a couple. Well, of years. if I use National Book Awards eligibility, mm-hmm. it's not yet eligible for the National Book Award. I just looked <laughs> it up. It's not actually in the window, so let's wait a little bit. Yeah, and his more recent novel, his COVID novel from last year, was also really fun. Yeah, the country people. Country people, something like that. Yeah, um, I almost considered that during my jag here, and maybe if it continues, I'll get back to it. What it's next on my scribe. I bought Tell it. Me. So I, another one of my hints, too, for if you want to go on a reading jag, I don't know if people know this, is to have your next one queued up mm-hmm. so that you just go right into it. Again, if you're normal, don't do this, but you know, <laughs> this is behind the scenes. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. While oh, I will look forward to your take. Yeah. The trailer for the movie me. looks awful. I'm not going to yeah. join you. I'm not no, doing that project. Right. Yeah. It's, do you, Okay. If you had to pick one of, adapt, well, I don't know if you know that Wonka is an adaptation, but if you had to watch Songbirds and Snakes or oh. Wonka, what are you picking right now? Is do I get to, enough? Do I get to like alter my consciousness before I do nope, this? You're going in, no. you're going in, going stone in cold sober. sober, like a dry piece of sidewalk. I think Wonka is probably more entertaining if I got to go in straight up. So I would go with Wonka. I think I would have more fun commentating on Wonka than I would have watching Songbirds and Snakes. If the like if what's happened in my house when the trailer plays is any indication. <laughs> Bob's face when I was like, that is Hugh Grant. That is Hugh Grant playing an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> it was there's, one of the most satisfying yeah, moments. I think I've you're had. right. I think there's you could you there's a chance for Wonka if it gets real bad, you could blow past it into like Mystery Science Theater three thousand yeah, territory. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I think that would mm-hmm. be harder with the grim, dark child murdering element. Right. right. Songbirds and snakes snakes. looks like it's taking itself very seriously. Yeah. And yeah. Well, good luck to you. Yeah, we'll see. And I'll report back in a week to see if the boys cooled down. I mean, I have to. There has to be some regression (laughs) to the meat. But it's been quite an experience. Rebecca, thank you as always. Show us bookriot.com. Listen, you can choose the email podcast at bookriot.com. Let's see. We've got all kinds of other stuff to show today in books. First edition, bookriot podcast patreon we're going to record an ask me anything episode tomorrow we've got some good questions some of our reading Mm -hmm. habits and other things to do there i'm looking forward to that so you can find us all kinds of other places thank you all so much for listening really appreciate that you stick with us through um hearing about us talk about the ins and outs of the national book awards eligibility criteria you do what you got to do rebecca we'll talk to you soon have a good one